0: This is Hard Place, a novel by R.A. Jacobson. Listener discretion is advised. Contains strong language, violence, and some adult situations. Chapter 3. Matt Wakes Looking the Wrong Way If you don't have any answers and the questions keep adding up, you have to take a moment and decide if you're facing the right direction. Matt could hear Alan's words in his head. He had said it several times in the months Matt had been working with him. It hadn't made any sense to Matt. Now, however, he was starting to get the feeling he was facing the wrong direction. Coffee, Matt said to the dark. He threw back the covers and sat on the edge of the bed, the dream fading as his brain realized he was awake. Wrong direction? He rose and went to the bathroom, then to the kitchen for coffee. After a couple of minutes of opening cupboard, the truth was inescapable. It was out of coffee. He heard a noise in the bedroom. Fuck. What is her name? Sherry? Cheryl? Sharon. Yes, Sharon. He walked back and pulled on his jeans. From the bed, a sleepy voice said, What are you doing? I'm going out to get coffee, he said, putting on his t-shirt. Matt glanced at his watch. 8.40. Matt thought about it for a minute. He actually hadn't planned to come back. He wanted her gone. "Mm. I'll be a half an hour, probably, he said, hoping it would be too long. "Ah, Shit, okay, I have to go. Sharon pushed the covers down, resigned. She was stunning, sleep warm and naked. Her dark hair was a tangled mess over her face and pillow. Briefly, he thought, coffee could wait. Then she swore again and sat up and started getting dressed. She pushed her hair back into place with her fingers and with a smile said, This was nice. She kissed him as she passed on her way to the bathroom. She did not close the door. She wasn't shy. When she came back in the bedroom, he was lacing up his runners. Have you seen my purse? she asked. Um, yeah, it's over there under your jacket. He pointed at a chair in the corner of the room. She walked over and put her coat on, picked up her purse, and kissed him again. Bye. She turned and left the room. A second later, he heard the apartment door close. With a shrug, he left to get coffee. He should have gotten her number. Matt was a tall man with unruly hair and a long, easy stride that covered distance quickly. He wore a grey trench coat he had purchased a few months ago when he had got the job as private eye. Even now, tired and worried, he still loved the sound of it. Private eye. Private eye. After he graduated from police college, the depot, he had found work. The first month on the job had been horrid. General duty was not what he had expected. He realized what he wanted to be was an investigator, but the way the system was structured, it would take years before he could be, if ever. A friend of his father had said he knew a guy who was looking for a junior partner in a detective agency. So, Matt got the number and called. Alan Cole seemed to be a nice enough fellow. When Matt spoke to him on the phone, he stressed he wasn't in a hurry to hire someone. They talked for a bit and set a meeting for later in the week. On the appointed day, Matt made sure to show up early. As they talked, Alan seemed to take a liking to him and offered him the job. Matt didn't hesitate. He took the offer. The pay wasn't great, and it was contingent on the number of cases he cleared, but there were bonuses. A week into the job, he bought a trench coat. When he came back to the office wearing it, Alan had nearly fallen over laughing. He didn't say anything, though. He shook his head and walked back to his desk. Every few minutes, Matt could hear Alan chuckle. He felt embarrassed, although he wasn't sure why. He loved the coat. He could imagine himself as Sam Spade, a real P.I. And that thought made him smile. Alan mentioned his last partner a lot. Matt figured Alan was still in a bit of shock over what had happened. He had never told Matt many of the details, but from what he had said, his death sounded pretty bizarre. As he walked down the street anticipating coffee, he thought about his dream and about Alan. He hadn't heard from him for a couple of days and was getting a bit concerned. He had to admit he really didn't know Alan very well, but this seemed to be out of character. Alan struck him as a very reliable kind of guy, not one who would vanish for days. There was a small coffee shop called A Scratch in Time, not far from his apartment. It was on a back street lined with large overhanging trees and had just enough old-timey quirkiness without becoming kitsch. If he was lucky, he could grab one of the comfy chairs by the window and watch people walk by. It would be nice to spend an hour or so to think. He walked into the cafe and was disappointed. There was a couple sitting by the window. He was standing at the front counter, ready to order his coffee, when his phone rang. Matt was surprised and relieved to see it was Alan. He held up his finger to the kid working behind the counter who scowled. He turned and walked away, letting the man behind him move forward in order. Alan, where have you been, he said. He waited. He knew there was somebody on the other line, but they were quiet. Alan, he said. Matt, that's weird. I was just thinking about you. The voice on the other end was Alan's, but it sounded wrong, confused and fuzzy. Fuck, it burns! The line went dead. Matt called Alan back. It rang several times, then went to voicemail. He hung up and dialed again with the same result. He stared at his phone for a minute, hoping it would ring, but it didn't. Frustrated, he shoved it into his pocket and looked out to the street. The weirdness of it all was maddening. A small voice in his head thought, maybe this was some sort of test, put the new guy through the ringer. But if he was honest with himself, it didn't feel fake. It felt weird for sure, but real. Something was definitely wrong. He returned to the kid and ordered his coffee. It arrived as the couple in the window vacated the chairs. He rushed over and sat. An hour later, he was still there with his third cup. He was new to the investigator role, but with his boss missing, it was time to put what he had learned and his instincts to the test. He had spent some time on his phone looking into what he could find out about Alan, which wasn't much beyond what he already knew. But he did find some things about Alan's former partner. He reviewed what he knew and what he had gleaned. Phil had been a longtime friend of Alan's, each had been in law enforcement and each had aspired for more. They had started the agency together, a partnership lasting over 12 years. Several months ago, Phil committed suicide after some sort of episode. The details were sketchy. Matt relinquished his treasured spot by the window to a young couple. He glanced out the window to the street and realized he hadn't actually sat and people watched as he'd planned. He'd been on his phone the whole time. A waste. The office he shared with Alan was several blocks south of his apartment, closer to downtown. It was within walking distance, however he rarely walked. He had a beaten down old 2001 Volkswagen Beetle. So not a real Beetle, but as close as he was likely to get to one. It was silver with a large dent on the passenger side door. A leak in the muffler made it loud and it stunk of exhaust. Windows open, he rumbled down the street looking for a parking spot. The office building was a four-storey cube of brick plunked down in the middle of what had been a residential street, looking very out of place. Surrounding it were three-storey Victorians, mostly offices of various kinds. Some rental apartments were mixed in with the lawyers, dental offices, and even a psychic. Matt wedged his VW between a long black car and a red sedan. One of the things he liked about the bug, it was very easy to park. He walked up the street to the cement steps in front of the building and paused. In his head, Matt heard Alan's voice. Watch for a tickling in the back of your mind. It was a weird little phrase Alan was fond of saying. Matt looked back down the street where he'd parked his car. Something was tickling his brain further down where the street turned stood a tall thin man wearing a dark suit and a large brimmed hat everything about him felt out of place matt watched as he was joined by another nearly identical man the two men were watching him with big toothy grins splitting their faces after a minute they looked at each other then in unison turned and disappeared around the corner matt stared at the spot where they had vanished from sight They're here, he said to the empty street, and with a shrug entered the building smiling at his private joke. Matt spent the next hour at his desk searching for anything he could find on Phil and Alan. He knew what he had to do and was procrastinating. Resigned, he crossed Alan's office and sat in his chair. He flipped through papers stacked in loose piles, rummaged through drawers, all the while feeling like a little kid about to get caught snooping. After a few minutes, he got up and went to the front desk. They didn't have a receptionist, perhaps in their busier days, but not since Matt had started. He combed through planners and folders, even booted up the vintage computer, searching for any clues that might explain Alan's absence. He found nothing. He went back to Alan's office, and without sitting, he resumed digging through the stacks of papers. Most were case files active or recently closed, There was nothing to suggest a holiday or a business trip Alan had forgotten to tell Matt about. The office phone rang. Matt picked the one up on Alan's desk. ACPM investigation, Matt speaking, how can I help you? He said as businessy as he could. The line was staticky and weirdly hollow-sounding. Not a digital distortion, a sound almost like a wind howling, and in there somewhere was a voice far off and faint. He was sure there were voices speaking, but as he concentrated, trying to pick out words, the line went dead. Matt looked at the receiver and hung up the phone and sat. This was getting him nowhere. He knew no more than he had at the coffee shop. He leaned back on his chair, laced his fingers behind his head. There was nothing here. He could worry all day about Alan, but it wasn't getting any work done. If Alan was just taking a few days off, when he returned, Matt had better been working, or there would be hell to pay. Tune in next Tuesday for Chapter 4, John Whitey Burnett. Stories from a Hard Place is a narrative podcast. Every Tuesday and every Thursday, R.A. Jacobson presents another chapter from a hard place, read by the author. Opening music by Noah Zachron. Production copyright R.A. Jacobson, 2021. If you'd like to support stories from a hard place, please go to patreon.com forward slash hardplace. If you'd like a book version, either ebook or print, you can find it on Amazon. You can find links to all these and much more at Deadcat Studio. That's deadcatstud.io. Keep the shiny side up.